welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Ellen, I am phenomenal. Oh, that's a word. Today we are going to be talking about Flowers from the Storm by Laura Kinsale, and later we are going to talk about the state of reading and why we love it so. But first, mom, what have you been reading? Well... I actually think I would have gotten a lot of reading done during this section, no. but I didn't get as much reading done. But the books I read were all big books. Yeah. So, um, after The Hating Game, I was reading What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty. Mm-hmm. I finished that. That's very How good. How was your book club yesterday, by the way? Mom has it another was... book club. Don't get me started. I know. I'm <laughs> cheating on this book club. <laughs> With a non-romance book club. It's just yeah. like a regular old ordinary book club. Um, it was good. It was really good. Cool. It was nice. I'm, I was the only old lady there. It was all younger moms, so it oh, was okay. interesting group. Um, then I read Culty. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Yeah, I don't know how I would Culty. Mariana Zapata. That's how I said it through the entire book, so that's what I'm going to call it. Okay, that works. And um, What did you think was, of that one? I liked that one a lot. Yeah. Um, I think Lukov is still my favorite. Yeah, but me too. I liked this one a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I read Flowers from the Storm, but those are all like over five hundred pages. Each yeah, they book. are. Those so are all pretty was, sizable. They're meatier um, books than I usually read. So, Mom was staying with me for the past couple weeks, so I did not get as much done. I don't read oh, it's as my much. Fault. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> But I don't get as much reading done, like, when you're here, I feel like. It's because we're just having so much fun. No, it's because I'm, like, singing songs to annoy you and stuff, so I'm not <laughs> reading. Well, we do a lot of binge watching and stuff. Yes, so. we do. We watched a lot more Forensic Files. We um, did. And you might have seen my tweet about mom, you know, the impact I that didn't. Forensic Files has had on mom's life. <laughs> I didn't want you to get accused of my murder. Yeah. I was just trying to... Because that happens on that show. <laughs> It does, all the, the all the time. Kids call, kill their parents all the time for money. <laughs> it's true. Jeez. Oh, that's I don't have any money because hey, I give it to all my kids all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your life insurance policy like, Mom? <laughs> um, I don't even know. <laughs> I only read two other books in addition to Flowers from the Storm. I read Midnight Blue by L.J. Shen. Um, she is going to be an attending author at, uh, mom and I are going, I don't know if we've mentioned this, right? We've We're going it. to, um, an author event in Vegas in October. We're really excited. So I've been trying to read some, um, some of the authors that I am not familiar with. Um, mom is not allowed to read Midnight Blue. Uh, I don't even know why I'm going to this convention. Every book you read from one of the other authors is... I know. They're, like, all really, one, they're all really saucy. Uh, <laughs> but Penny Reed is there, so we'll get to meet yeah. Penny Reed. Uh, and then I read Scoring the Player's Baby by uh, Naima Simone. Um, it was cute. It's like It's actually a third book in a series that I haven't read, but I saw it reviewed somewhere, and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like a good trope that I'm in the mood for right now. It's like, um, it's a one night stand that results in a pregnancy and, and of course they fall in love. Um, and, but it it was good. I enjoyed it. 
I don't I don't have much more else to say about it than that. But if you're looking for that trope, I think, and it's like a sports romance, the author is like the hero is definitely modeled after like Jason Momoa. So if like he is your if he is your vibe, then then this is the book for you. Um, okay, so today we are going to be talking about Flowers from the Storm by Laura Kinsale. It is a standalone novel that was published in 1992. So I guess it would at this point be considered old school. I don't know. Um, it's definitely like one that people talk about as a classic of the especially historical romance genre um and neither of us had read it and we both obviously are fans of the historical romance genre so we wanted to give it a go um so i didn't do anything special for the description for this one i've been kind of sick and was not in the you know rap writing or songwriting mode (laughs) the creative mood yeah overly creative mood yeah Okay, so the description I came up with is Christian the Duke of Chervaux begins our story as a dissolute rake who finds himself in the beds of married women and often deep in his cups. His one true passion, however, is mathematics, which is what finds him in the path of Archimedia Timms, a Quaker woman whose father shares in Christian's love of math. Christian is an affront to Maddie's pious sensibilities and really doesn't want much to do with him. But Christian is taken away from his extravagant way of life when he suffers a stroke, a misunderstood affliction at the time, that lands him in a mental asylum managed by Maddie's cousin. When she sees him there, she is compelled to help him, and the two begin to form a bond as she helps him navigate his new way of life, his family, his status as a duke, and as they both discover, their new feelings for each other. So, Mom... I already know some, but what did you think of Flowers from the Storm? I really liked this book. There's a lot of things I liked about it. Mm-hmm. First of all, the whole, um, they never mentioned that it's a stroke, but we just assumed that that's what it is. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the general consensus, it seems right to be. Um, and they, like, they call it an apoplexy at one point, um, and just everything... Mom thought at one point it sounded like maybe a brain tumor, but I'm like, eh, he's going to get better, and that's... He's getting better, so that wouldn't necessarily happen if you had a brain tumor. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the general consensus would be a stroke. Yeah. But um, I liked having the dual POV of him dealing with his illness. I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. I liked... Um, just the history of how these things were dealt with. Because he was in an asylum, but he was in like an upper crest asylum yeah. for rich people who could afford it. And it was good still care. pretty bleak. And it was still pretty awful. Yeah. So you can imagine if you were just a poor regular Joe and had something like this happen, your life would suck. Yeah. Um, I liked the arc of their relationship, of how, you know, it had to... Because he pretty much from the get-go... When he was sick, he 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 wanted her. He wanted her with him all the time, mm-hmm. and um, it was her having to come around. And there was some duplicity and and all of that. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I really I liked it. I liked the history that it went through, and I liked yeah. um, them as characters. Um, I I 
thought it got a little long in some parts. I think there were some things that could have been cut out mm-hmm. just because it tended to drag towards the end. But um, but I really liked the story, and I sobbed like a baby. And I told Ellen, I said, in the middle of the night, I was finishing the book. I listened to most of the book on audiobook because I was yeah. driving home mm-hmm. from your house. And um, just really got wrapped up in the story. Cried a couple of times while I was... I mean, it was heartbreaking to me how much he wanted her and how much he wanted her to help him and couldn't get her to necessarily see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the book ended and I was laying in bed, I was sobbing. And my husband woke up and he's like, what's wrong? What's the matter? I was like, it's just the end of my book. <laughs> and he was probably like, jeez. Jeez. I thought something was wrong with the kids. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, um, I really liked it a lot. Um, I also really liked it. I think because, like I said, I was sick, especially for a good portion of when I was reading this book. So I think it, I was not always in the perfect headspace. Also, um, also you're heartless. Also, I'm heartless. I'm not though. Like I (laughs) listen, especially compared to like my my group of friends. I cry all the time. (laughs) Like, I know. I'm, I'm ridiculous. Um, I I slightly teared up at the end when, um, and I'll I'll get to that. But um, I I really like that it's so different from like a lot of other books in the genre, right? right. Um, in I think it's writing style and um, also just in what it's dealing with, right? With the I've never read a Quaker character i've never read a character like this who is um you know at especially at the beginning kind of mentally incapacitated in to a certain extent well also not because he's there mentally but not able to can't communicate yeah um and i just thought that her writing with that was was really good and um i it did take me you know, I saw people online saying that they struggled with her Quaker language, and I didn't struggle as much with that as um, trying to figure out, you know, because when it's from his POV, especially early on, um, you know, trying the to... The kind of gibberish that he spouts out. Yeah, that he spouts, and that, the, you know, also the other character's dialogue is written in it how he is perceiving it. So I was trying to, like, always figure out what the other people were saying as he understood it. Um, so that kind of took me some getting used to. Do you know what I, I mean? I think the audiobook maybe made it a little easier because I didn't yeah. have to try to decipher anything. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was in an environment where I could do audiobook. So, um, but yeah, um, but I, while it was difficult, I did think it, she wrote it really well and, um, in a very interesting way. I also, uh, I, I didn't know much about the Quakers and their beliefs, not really, um, other than, like, the guy on the front of the oatmeal box, um, (laughs) and, (laughs) um, so it was interesting to, uh, kind of learn more about about them. I realize I'm not an expert after reading this book, but um, to kind of learn more about 
what they're all about and kind of how how she worked with it throughout this book. Um, I did keep thinking, I'm like, why hasn't this been made into some sweeping Oscar Beatty epic period piece, right? Yeah. Doesn't that just, doesn't this just seem like... Definitely. Golden Especially for with, with all the things that it touches on. I mean, yeah. you know, mental illness, uh, religious, religion, yeah. crazy, you know, fanatic religion and... yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm just, it seems like, you know, very English patient-y, Nell, you know, BBC like, should be all over that. Julian Fellows should be on that. Yeah, come on. Come on, Julian. Or uh, what's the guy's name who always does the Jane Austen? I can't think of his name right now. Andrew Davies, I think. Um, but, yeah, so I think somebody should get on that. I think this is, like, primed for that. Plus, we're doing a podcast on it, so that means it needs to be made into a movie, right? Yeah, that's that how thing? this goes. <laughs> it's a thing, right? <laughs> so do you want my questions? Go ahead. Bring, okay. bring them. So what did you think of Christian, the Duke of Chervaux, as a character? What did you think of his journey throughout the book, etc.? Um, I liked him as a character. I liked him, like I said, I really liked the dual POV while he was struggling with what's going on inside his head and his inability to communicate with anybody. And, I really um, needed it to be dual too, because like, <laughs> like I said, I was struggling sometimes with, you know, what's going on. So I was always glad when we would like switch back to her and I'm like, okay. Cause sometimes like she would rehash or, you know, it would go back to him and he would say, I was trying to say this to her, but right. she wasn't understanding. So I was like, Okay, yeah, good, cool. <laughs> like the I liked him, and he was definitely a rake or a rogue or whatever word you want to use to describe him at the beginning of the book. Yeah. And um, and that comes back to bite him in the butt. Yes. Multiple and times. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, um, but I liked how his progression through his illness kind of made him more aware of wanting to be a better person. and Yeah, kind of humbled him, right? And yeah. Um, and I think his love for her also. Yeah. I like that. I like that it did humble him, but that he also, it was frustrating. This is kind of the part where, one of the parts where I, I also wish it had been trimmed down, but I also found it interesting was there's that section in the book kind of towards the end where he's trying to kind of regain his dukedom and he's doing he's doing all of this so that they don't lock him up again right he's trying to show that he can be the same old duke and she's watching it and you know like why are you spending all of this money why are you you know doing all of this this doesn't and i i got both sides of it and it was frustrating because he couldn't really explain to her like well so much of it was was doing it he doesn't understand where she's coming from and she didn't understand where he was coming from. Yeah. And they both... Because I got both right. sides, right? Like, because it would have been so frustrating on her side. Just like, what? Like, you don't have this you money. You have no money. <laughs> Why are you spending so much yeah. money? Um, so, like, I got both sides. Um, but, so that was interesting. It got a little frustrating because I was just like, oh, I just like, you guys. Um But yeah, I did, and I did think it was so important that we got that glimpse of him at the beginning, um, kind of before he had the stroke, 
Um, because he, he wasn't the best person, but we did get kind of glimpses of him being a good guy. Like, I like that moment where he describes her to her father, her to her father. And, um, you know, I think that that moment kind of shows that he is kind of a debonair rake because he's obviously trying to kind of ruffle her feathers a little bit. And like, you've got seductress eyelashes and all this stuff. Um, but her dad, you know, like, her dad is really grateful for that. And I love that she's like, oh, has nobody ever told you that I look like mom? <laughs> I just thought that was kind of sweet. sweet. Um, so, yeah, so I liked him. Um, I'll, I'll kind of talk about some, some issues that I had in, in a question later on. Um, what did you think of Maddie? Most of the complaints that I saw online were against her and how her piety got annoying um so let's address that because i have thoughts well it didn't that didn't bother me as much as that was just her lifestyle i mean it just that's just the way she was raised and that's what she knew she it's impossible to cut that from a person entirely um well because we've talked before about how you know um we were raised pretty religious joke well that and we kind of joke about how how quickly some of these girls are like, okay, yeah, all this, this, (laughs) right. This complete way of life that I was raised, I'm fine. Just like throwing it away. Um, which, you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, people do what you want, but I, I thought that this was true to her character, Right. right? She's a Quaker. She's, she's been raised to see any sort of extravagant, or any sort of, you know, right. immor- in any sort of immorality as being, you know, bad, taboo, yeah. bad, yeah. And so she, um, so I, I, and I thought that it was true to her character, right? Because he, the things that he likes about her is that she sticks to her guns and that like, she, she has no problems. And- yeah, and she has no problem standing up for what she thinks is right. Um, And so she thinks that this way of life is right. And so I think that it was true to her character that she, that she stuck to her guns throughout most of the book. And yes, it was sometimes frustrating, but I thought that's, that's just this character. Well, and even when she, you know, finally breaks down and has sex with him, she feels guilty about it because she thinks she's being wanton and, and um, being, you know, uh, too easy and yeah, yeah. and um, but they're but married. The time, I mean, yeah, they're married, <laughs> and she loves him, and she loves obviously. him, and yeah, and so. But I think even then, because I was raised pretty, you know, virtuously, <laughs> virtuously. Yeah, we'll go with that word. Um, and so you know, when it came to getting married and then okay this person's like don't touch me don't touch me oh now you can do whatever you want to me it was that was a hard transition I mean yeah it it all worked out fine but I remember you know thinking wow this is a weird this is weird that now all of a sudden just because we went through this ceremony now everything's off limits you know on limits on limits (laughs) that's not a phrase but there are no limits So, I mean, I totally get what she's dealing with. Yeah. And um, I think also 
you know, I think that the sex was less of what she was struggling with and more just his way of life. And just, like, this is totally against type to what I was raised. And, you know, we read these other historical novels where it's, you know, it's a landed gentry girl, but she doesn't feel like she's up to task of being a duchess. And then this is, like, even further, you know, on the other side of the spectrum in that she doesn't know anything about you know, yeah, living know this way of life, act at all, and even you know, or run a household with that kind of income or any of that. She doesn't yeah. understand any of it, and that's why she fights against it for so long. It's like I don't know how to do any of this. I don't even how to yeah. even pretend to live this lifestyle. Yeah. So while I understand like people finding it sometimes frustrating, like from our modern point of view. Um, I also appreciated that the interpretation of her character seemed really honest and true. And I also just, like, while that was sometimes frustrating, I also really just liked her as a character. I liked that, you know, she was like, I'm going to do what I think is right. I, she felt like she was being led by God to... And she really loved him, and that was what kind of tore her apart, is it's like... I love this guy, but he wants me to live this way, and I don't feel like I can live that way. And yeah, so it was really kind of a. And I kept wanting him to like kind of compromise with her, like, okay, let's do this for a second, and then we'll just go and live in the country and like screw all these people. Right. Like that's what I kept wanting them go to do. Go back to my castle, just be yeah, happy. Yeah, I know that's what I kept wanting them to do. Um, well, he did. You know, at the ball, he finally said. I don't care if I have a duchess that doesn't dance or, you know. Yeah, and that was sweet. So there were little things that he would do like that. So we kind of touched on this, but what did you think of the early setting of the mental asylum? Unconventional to be sure. Like something that I at least hadn't ever read. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I'm aware of how bad they were. I mean, just because I'm aware of history. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's why, and... You know, a lot of it's just they thought that this stuff would help these people. Yeah. Um, I felt then, bad for her cousin because, like, I, I, I don't think he was always a bad com- person. Right? Yeah, like I think that the ape. You know, they kept calling him the ape. I think that the ape. Um, he definitely was, you know, getting off on treating these people who he saw as inferior to him and getting off on that kind of power that he had over them. Right. I don't think her cousin felt that way I think that he genuinely thought he was trying to help these people and he was interested in you know the recovery and like the strides that her that she and um and he was was really happy when she was making when she was able to make improvements for him yeah I do think he's you know slightly you know off base obviously but um I don't think he always had the worst intentions. Not always, but I do think, too, that he would have, you know, whoever, he knew where his bread was buttered, and whoever was paying him, he was going to kind of make it work out for whatever they had in mind. So if his family decided, we're going to put him back in the asylum, we want him to stay in the asylum, he would have done that. Well, and he's getting paid if he stays in the asylum, and he's not if he doesn't, so. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, But yeah, I just thought... um, and I thought it was an interesting way to really set this character off on 
on this journey that he had to go through, right? That he really did have, like, he hit rock bottom. Right. <laughs> in terms of, um, well, he's very violent because he would get frustrated with the fact that he couldn't yeah. communicate. He had thoughts in his brain that he couldn't get out, and yeah. that would frustrate him, and so then he would lash out violently. I but kept kind plus of thinking... Plus, they were mistreating him, which would make him violent as well. Yeah, I kept thinking of, um, like, I have a niece, Mom has granddaughter, who, um, she's 18 months now, um, and she's not fully talking yet and you can see like her just get frustrated like when you know and I think this is a common thing that all toddlers go through but just like getting frustrated that like you don't understand what I want and like you're not giving me what I want and um and you're like do you and, want this do you want this because she doesn't know the words for what she wants yeah yet. she just does the please she just wants she's the cutest thing ever though she is cute we love her <laughs> too much um but yeah I just so like I kept kind of thinking of that like with toddlers just like how so frustrated they get that like you don't understand what I want and like you're not giving me what I want and like kind of throw tantrums and things like that and I think that's just basically what he was was going through you know and definitely yeah um so yeah so I I really liked that beginning for them and um her kind of helping him through that process and, you know, catching on to the fact that I like the part where she says he's not mad, he's maddened or something like that, right? (laughs) Um, Like, he's not crazy, he's just kind of... Frustrated. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what did you think of the side characters here? I found them very interesting in that I kept waiting for one of them to be helpful, and none of them really were. (laughs) I really wanted... His friends? Well, well, like, everybody. I kept, you know, they're struggling so much with... Well, his aunt kept seeming like she was going to, like, help them in some way, and then she she just really never does. Yeah, she did, but, like, she really only cared about the title, so she was only concerned as far as that went... Um, his friends, like, helped, but always not perfectly. Well, yeah, not always in a good way, as yeah. it turns out. Um, by the way, I'm still unclear as to how involved Christian was, because at, at one point... Um, well, they allude like, to the fact that he was in on it, but at, to what degree he could understand what was going on, I'm not sure yeah, that he I'm did, referring but. to the marriage in that um, it's... You find out towards the end of the book that, um, because they're kind of, they get married under duress. There's people beating down the door and, you know, she kind of agrees to marry Christian. Well, the whole thing is they're coming to take him away to the asylum. Yeah. And they're like, you have to marry him so you can tell them that they can't take him. Yeah. And um, then she finds out later that these people that were beating down the door were like hired locals who... To really? just come and bang on the doors. Yeah. So that they could Which stage it. Which I kind of was suspicious of that um, at one point because Christian kind of tells uh, Durham, he's like, I want to marry her. And, his, and Durham's like, okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the whole thing with the letter from her dad where her they, yeah. they fake a letter from her father saying that she's to stay with him no matter what. And, you know, he needs her help and... Yeah, and I did find it interesting that 
um, Christian's like, I was vaguely aware, but like I don't remember, you know, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what was well, going I think on. That's I'm like, kind of. Mm-hmm. I think his friends, I think the three of them came up with the idea, but I'm not sure how with it Christian was if he yeah. was following the whole thing very well because it was still when he was pretty brain was pretty adult and i wanted like her dad kind of came through in the end but um like when she got that letter i was like okay cool dad like kind of gets it dad thinks that she should stay with christian but then like the letter started to seem more and more suspicious um i really thought her dad was going to come forward like a lot sooner and say look do what makes you happy yeah you know and and he never really did that never really did that he went to christian and was like hey, you should come to this meeting just yeah. to, like, see what she's going through kind but of thing. But I, I kind of think that he did that so that Christian would, you know, Because he up. always liked Christian. That's why I thought yeah. that, like, they might figure it out. But, I mean, kind of, it's kind of similar to her, right? It's, this is, it's against everything that he's been raised to believe as well, so. Right. Um. So I guess that, but do you know what I mean? I just was like, I kept, these people kept coming into the story and I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe somebody's going to like kind Someone's of. Someone's finally going to help these people out. Yeah. And yeah, like, really I thought no the one... same thing with Richard Gill and like, he didn't, <laughs> he caused he more opposite. problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wanted her. I did love how much uh, Christian was like, this I love, I love, I texted you this. I loved all of his kind of phrases, the like. The thou sugar scoop bonnet, like that's <laughs> yeah. what he always called her. Making and, fun of her. I and loved like, how he called her Maddie Girl all the time. I just thought that was so sweet. Yeah, and I like he did it he more when he was when he couldn't talk very well. Yeah, Maddie Girl, and I think that's just because that's what her dad would call her. Call her, and that's and where he, he only remembered like his mathematical phrases, and so I think that that's kind of like tied what came to his... him first. Yeah. Um. So here's a question for you. What do okay. you think of the title? What What do you think the meaning there is? Because they never really refer to it in the book at all. Yeah. There is a lot of, like, especially when they're at the castle, there's a lot of kind of storm imagery that's taking place. I think what it is, me personally, I think that they go through this awful experience this horrible thing but they're still able to pull some some beauty from it so flowers from the storm yeah or you know maybe she's the flower in his storm um you know the bright spot in his dark life yeah anyway that's just kind of what i was thinking okay what do you think is, what was your swooniest moment? Mm. Do you want to, okay, so this is, so this is my swooniest moment, and this okay. is the one moment where I, like, like, cried a little bit. Um, at the end, you know, he's kind of giving his whole, she's, at the end, she's having to stand before her meeting and. Her congregation. Her congregation and say, like. I, all of it was fake. It was all under duress, blah, 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 blah. And he kind of stands up and he's like, it was all fake? Like, you're really going to stand and say that that's the truth? That, like, we didn't he's love like, each other? You're not supposed to lie. And this, yeah. in fact, the first thing he says is, who wrote this? Because you didn't write this. Yeah. 
Um, so I liked that, but then the moment at the end, or after that, when they're outside talking, and he tells her, like, I need you, I need you to come help with my daughter, because he has an illegitimate daughter through this woman that he was sleeping with at the very beginning of the book, um, and he's, she's like, you're gonna keep her? And he says something like, I just started to worry, like, what if she gets cold and nobody, <laughs> and nobody cares? And I just like, her to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was just so worried. And it, I, I think that that got to me so much just because he's, he's been through that, you know, he's been through like, I, you know, cold and you know, miserable and nobody seems nobody to was care there to take care of me except yeah. for her. And so I think that when he's, you know, saying like, I need you to, to help me, it's because she's the only person that helped him when he was like that. So he wants. And she had either commented or thought earlier, she's like, uh, something to the effect of, I don't want him to send his daughter away. I, I don't want him to just throw away things yeah. in his life like that. Yeah. And so you knew then that she would be okay if he kept the daughter. Yeah. I did find it interesting that it sh- she didn't think that they slept together, <laughs> that him and Edie had slept together. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was completely surprised by this daughter. Like, she just thought that, like, they professed love to each other, and she didn't catch on to the fact that they slept together. That's because but of her upbringing. She's, <laughs> she's a sweet little naive thing. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was your swooniest moment? My swooniest moment? Oh, it's hard for me to remember. <clears throat> and then a lot of it was because the guy who reads the audiobook had a pretty sexy yeah. voice. So Mom liked um, the audiobook a lot, right? And like we had some people tweet to us and say that... Um, the audiobook was good. The audiobook was really good. Um, and I listened to some of it just because Mom was like, you should just listen just to... And he he does do a very good job. And he has yeah. a very nice voice. He has a very um, nice voice. And, yeah, so, swooniest. Um, so, swooniest moment. Wow, oh, there were so many. I really liked, um, and I can't remember exactly how the exchange went, but um, when she took off and then he went after to find her, and they were both really furious with each other, but then as soon as they see each other, you know, he's just like, I can't do this without you. I really, really need you. And I think the whole problem she was having is she married him because he couldn't really function without her i mean he really needed her to do just day-to-day activity stuff mm-hmm. well then as he got better as he was getting health-wise his health was improving she kind of felt like he didn't need her anymore need her. he he'd hired a secretary he could kind of dress himself and take care of himself like his ballet yeah. yeah so all these things that she had done for him for so long, and now he didn't really need her anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was that whole, and this kind of even ties over into the end of the book as to, I need you, but I need you for different reasons. I don't need you for the same reasons I needed you for at the beginning. Yeah. But I still need you. And I need you, I need you in I my you life. And, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there was a couple of things that he said where I was just like, Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about sex, baby. So fairly tame in this one, um, and she writes it in such a way where you're like, 
are they even having sex right now? Like, what's, <laughs> what's happening? Is this happening? Um, We're so used to it being so explicit. but Yeah, especially, like, some of the other books that I've read recently. Um, but I thought it was sweet, and um, and I thought the way that she wrote it was all very beautiful and kind of in keeping with um, just kind of the more, like, sweeping epic the the tone of romance the of the, the book. Um, I wanted her to cut her hair. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I said this to you. I'm like, she would be like split and city. Like, well, and it was probably down to the floor. I don't know. I don't see it as super attractive. <laughs> but it would, you know, I'm a short hair girl. It would be though. a mess, like, when they're yeah. having sex like It'd be that. like all over the place. Yeah, it would just be like, <laughs> Just be like splitting hair, spitting hair out everywhere. <laughs> I just think about like you know I go into the, I wait like eight months and to cut my hair and they're like you really need to come in more because your hair has a lot of split ends and I'm like this girl can go her entire life without cutting her hair and it's no beautiful draping curtain over her <laughs> breasts and it's like okay that okay. doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Maybe because, well, like, she's not, like, hot ironing and blow-drying hers. That's it. But I'm sure that's it. But they also didn't have good shampoo. I did like when he equated her to Rapunzel. And yeah. I thought that was And, and she couldn't understand it because she didn't yeah. know the fairy tale. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was funny. It was funny. Um, okay. So here's my thing. The biggest thing that I kept coming back to is that if none of this had happened, would they have fallen in love? I don't real Okay, so here's... Okay, here's where I'm coming from. I don't... The answer is no. If, if he had never gotten sick, they yeah. would not have fallen in love. But it was his illness that changed him. He would have still been the, you know, rogue, rake, awful mm-hmm. person from the beginning of the story. Because mm-hmm. he really wasn't a very nice person at the beginning of the story. I mean, he wasn't horrible, but... Yeah. I mean, there were glimmers of niceness, but for the most part, he kind of was had an honorary attitude. So I don't really believe in soulmates or anything and all that. So I don't need my romance couples to be, quote-unquote, faded or something like that. Um, but I did sometimes wonder for them... How much of their their love story was based on the fact that she was there when no one else was? And would he have fallen in love with any nurse that was there and gave two shits about what was happening to him? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think part of his journey was getting to the point where he loved her for her and not just because she was helping him, but I sometimes wished that was slightly more explicit because I was always just like... (sighs) Well, and I think she had the same problem. I think that she had the same... You know, like I said, he doesn't need me anymore, so... Mm-hmm. You know, why am I putting myself through this? He obviously doesn't, you know, love me the way I need him to love me. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that was my 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 one quibble was I just wasn't ever and it wasn't until pretty late in the book where I was like, okay, I think I think we're on good ground here where he loves her for more than the fact that she helps him and seems to kind of understand him more than others and she loves him for more than like he needs me. Right. Do you know what I mean? A Florent what's it? Nightingale. Florence Nightingale, Nightingale syndrome. Syndrome. The um I think that's why that whole end part needed to happen where she went back to the Quakers mm-hmm. and um cuz it gave them both an opportunity to realize Okay, so I could live my life like this the rest of my life and not have her. Is that what I will, would I rather do that or would mm-hmm. I rather have her with me even though yeah. it's difficult cuz we have such different backgrounds. And I think both of them had to deal with is this what is this how I want to live my life or do I want her back or him back? Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Because they were just- both in a position where they could just walk away from each other they had it all set up and we're all ready to go yeah so I think I think she redeemed that in the end but that doesn't happen until like 95 percent yeah well I think that she was probably saving it for that yeah and I but do you know what I mean like so just like as I was reading it I couldn't I couldn't ever fully invest in them as a couple because I was just like but why are we doing this why do we like, why do we feel this way? And the fact that, you know, she had been tricked into marrying him like that, you know, because that led to them having some intimacies, not just physical, but, and um, to them falling more in love. But, like, it was under nefarious circumstances. Right. So then, I don't know, there was just, there was just a whole, there was just a few things where I'm like, I want... I want this to be, like, obviously more, about more than just, than just this illness. Yeah. Or do you mean her being there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. But, but, like I said, I think, I think that, I think, she, I think you're right. I think that that, you know, turning point at the end when she, when she's like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to my people, my way of life the way that I know how to live, but then they both realize, like, I don't care about that. I, I just want to be with I, you I don't want to live without them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that that helps, but it was just, it was, that was my, my thing throughout the book. Um, so, well, and I think it was not so much him, but I definitely saw that struggle in her. Yeah. You know, does does he only want me here because I take care of him? I mean, is that I did and I did like the moment where um you know, she's considering I think it's I don't I think she has not left yet, but she's kind of thinking about going back to the Quakers and you know, Richard Gill has kind of said like I'll marry you. Let's yeah. come back with us and I will take care of you. And um Christian is thinking he's like you know, will will he be able to make her laugh? Will she, you know, like, he wants to kind of give her more to life than just taking care of the poor and right. 
And he still, like, helps her do that in the end. Like, you see that in the epilogue, you know, like, he talks about writing checks to all of her (laughs) charities. Yeah, I did like the moment, too, where um, her aunt, or his aunt, says, you know, like, kind of finds her after she's left and gone back to the Quakers. And his aunt says, like, you stupid girl. It's like, she's like, you could help, you know, you're just giving loaves and fishes yeah. when you You're have like helping the ab- 12 people when you could be helping like thousands yeah yeah which i think you know helping that those 12 is still very noble. lady catherine de berg moment yeah it's still very like helpful and noble but um i did like that somebody pointed out to her like you can still do good as a duchess even right. though you're living extravagantly you can still you have the the ability to help and on a grander scale because I kept thinking that too I'm like why do you not realize that like now you have more power and you can create more change do more um, good yeah anyway um so even though I had that quibble I still really liked this book I I did um and I did think it was I thought it was really well written I thought she did a really good job, and like, only, I was, got a little—I got a little bogged down in the whole ball thing and waiting for the king to come and and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. That just kind of dragged a little to me. Um, but other than that, I was fine. I loved the book. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I really and um, I thought, yeah, I just I thought. She, I mean, that was not an easy task that she set for herself to write. You know, an interpretation of of somebody that has suffered from a stroke. And I thought that she did it really well and effectively. Um, So, yeah. So, in the grand scheme of things, I I liked it. And I liked that she did give them that kind of redemption to their love story at the end. I liked it. And I even recommended it to my sister, who is not a romance reader. She is not. But she would get into the history and stuff of it. That's what I said. I said, I think yeah. you'd like it. And I think somebody, um, mm, we had an email, I think that we read last time, uh, and she said that, you know, it was like the one book she had recommended to her mom. And I think it is, yeah. I think because like I said, it's so, I'm just surprised that it hasn't been made into a movie because it is so kind of sweeping and cinematic. I think that it is a little bit more palatable, especially to those people who, look down on romance in general right. like you can say no like look at this book this is got a lot going on for everybody so yeah miniseries it needs a miniseries it couldn't just be a movie yeah but do you know what i mean it just feels like it feels yeah. like some sort of like oscar baby type movie and that all the um somebody who plays christian is gonna get like nominated for an oscar right yeah yeah who can play that stroke victim yeah and um and just the sweet little Quaker girl falling for the, you know, lunatic. Yeah. And and that whole scene where they're escaping from the wedding and just all that stuff. That's know, That would be that's awesome. I'm about. I know. I'm just shocked. I know. Like, somebody get on that. And I think now that we've done a podcast on it, it's just going to happen. Because yeah, because that's what happens when we do podcasts. They make we, make, we make it so. <laughs> so many people <laughs> who are, you know, Hollywood greats are listening to our wee little podcast. Yeah. Yes, of course. So, anything else, Mom? No. That's... Okay. So, those are our thoughts on Flowers from the Storm by Lyric and Sale. We would love 
to hear from you on our Facebook page, our Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at NotYourMom'sRom, or you can email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On September 3rd, which is the day after Mom's birthday, it is. We will be discussing Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. And stay tuned because we're going to announce our fall lineup during the break. Um, a couple things that I want to say about Long Shot. It has angst with a capital A. And there are some trigger warnings for people as it does contain um, domestic abuse and rape a few times. Um, so. If that is not your jam, I totally get it, and we will try to have a cheerier second topic if you want to listen to the second half. However, I will say, um, because I have read this book already, I found this book beautiful, and I thought that she handled those topics with a lot of care and concern and um, in a way that it, it didn't bother me, and it felt more important than trying to like be sensational um she handles a lot of really delicate topics in her books uh issues with with race um and uh this these issues of domestic abuse and things like that and i think that she always does it from a very thoughtful and you know touching place also the hero august is just so so wonderful like you are anybody who reads it is going to fall in love with him and i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure they've been posting that it's on sale right now on kindle so oh really um that wouldn't surprise me the second book in the series is coming out um a few days after we do this pod this um that episode so um i hope that at least some of you take a look at this book i really like it a lot um and um I would like to hear more about what some other people think about it. Um, So for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about reading and just why we love it ever so much. So stay with us. So we are back with our little break segment. We have just a few house cleaning items. We've got some mailbag for you. And we've got a recommendation because while mom was here visiting me we got to watch uh mom say the title the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society there we go um it that is a book that both of us have read and um was recently adapted uh into a film that is on netflix and y'all should watch it it was really cute very cute great casting yeah, good casting. They uh, kind of had to steer away from the story a little bit. And yes. And that's always a little disappointing. And it did ramp up the romance from the book because... Which is the, awesome. The romance <laughs> is very kind of secondary, I would say. In um, the book. In the book, but it is full force in this movie. And it's because they've got Michael Huseman, who is such a freaking so babe. Dreamy. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cute and... Definitely, like, anybody who reads romance is going gonna, is gonna to like it. So I, I feel pretty confident. We, we highly recommend. Um, My husband even really liked it. Also, not romance, like, at all, really. Uh, there's some. But we also watched a lot of Trial and Error 
And that's another show that I think might get canceled because nobody's watching it and people should be watching it because it is hilarious. It's really well, funny. I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea, but it's definitely it's our so, cup of tea because we like so really funny. stupid comedies and this is perfect. It's but really funny. It is. It's start very, with season one. Yeah, you season, do need to start with season one. And I don't know Hulu, if it's... on Hulu, right? I don't know is if it is all on Hulu. I don't know if first season is. Um, and you kind of do need to watch season one first, but it is... Hilarious. How about if I buy it on Amazon and just give everybody my Amazon account <laughs> password, you're and you all can watch it? You're basically already doing that anyway. Um, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's really funny, and more people should watch it. So if that sounds like even sort of your cup of tea, you should check it out. Uh, okay, so a couple emails that we've gotten. We got a lot of emails and tweets and things because we asked for recommendations for people who are not romance readers, what should they read for their first time? So um, we had Paige email in. She said, you had mentioned wait- wanting recommendations for a first-time first timer in the romance genre. If she generally likes to read historical fiction, I would suggest Nine Rules to Break by Sarah McLean or Devil in Spring by Lisa Kleypas. This was my first one, and I was up reading it most of the night. If she likes contemporary, anything by Penny Reid. Also, I think Roomies is a great starter one, especially since we she will have the movie to look forward to. Um, and she says, whew, so glad you guys love Dr. Strangebeard too. If you hadn't liked it, I would have thought, where did I go wrong? LOL. Love <laughs> listening to your podcasts. Um, of course we were going to love Dr. Oh Strangebeard. It's by Penny Reid. Um, so I think those are some good picks. Um I will, we're going to announce the schedule. Uh, we went in a different way. I, everybody really wanted us to have her read a Penny read, which I do think is a really good choice for a first timer. Um, but we've talked about, we've talked about Penny Reads so much that I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. are we just like a Penny Read podcast now? Which I'm fine with. Um, <laughs> but we had just But it would be a little creepy. Yeah, I think she, you know she's probably already creeped out by how much we talked about her. <laughs> um, uh, and then this next email is from Kristen. Kristen's got a lot of, lot of, lot of good wrecks in here. So I'm gonna try and plow through this. Um, she mentions that because Kristen has written to us before and said that she has been listening to our podcasts as she reads the books and she says she only has five episodes left and she um that she hasn't listened to so she's trying to stretch them out i'll be so sad when i have no more but also happy because of new ones um she says i just wanted to shoot an email with recommendations for your sister-in-law slash daughter-in-law does she like to read at all if so my first thing when people are interested in romance is to suggest a book similar to their normal tastes but with romance does she like mystery thriller read a romantic suspense a la sandra brown uh, sci-fi or fantasy, The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer is kind of way, but I adore those books. C.L. Wilson is pretty hardcore fantasy. Alona Andrews is a fave. She's Alona Andrews is very dirty though, from what I've read. Um, Mom's not allowed to read her. Amanda <laughs> Boucher has a trilogy that's quite good and steamy. Soulless by Gail Carriger is steampunk, and the heroine in the series is one of the most fun characters ever. Um, does she like historical? Start small with something like Susanna Kersley, uh, non-steamy like Georgette Hare, or go all in with a Sarah McLean or Tessa Dare. Why not? Which is how mom started. <laughs> um, or something like, quote-unquote, normal fiction or chick litty with a smidge of romance like the Guernsey book. She says, the movie is on Netflix in three days. Not that I'm counting down or anything. 
We're right there with yeah. you, Kristen. I think I called Ellen day of. I said, okay, I'm coming over so we can watch this. Yeah. Um, she says, or a Catherine Center book, Happiness for Beginners and How to Walk Away, or a Taylor Jenkins read book, One True Loves and Evelyn Hugo. She says, also, Jill Shalvis is always a good bet. I love her Heartbreaker Bay series, which I know you guys have read, but her Lucky Harbor series is good, too. I don't think I've ever read a bad Jill Shalvis book. Shalvis. I'm having a hard time saying that. Um, If I had to choose one book randomly to suggest to anyone, though, it would probably be The Hating Game. It's funny, cute, steamy, but not smutty. I suggested it to a friend not long ago, and you guys, now she's reading Penny Reed. I mean, my work here is done, right? (laughs) That's that's the ultimate goal is to get everybody to be Penny (laughs) Reed readers. Um, She says, lastly, I just want to say when you guys share what you've been reading, your recommendations on books, movies, or TV shows, or people writing in with recommendations, that's my favorite part. I found so many new books this way, and I just love it. So yay. I have one recommendation to share today, and it is Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. It's about the four horsemen, and it's like enemies to lovers. She tries to kill him but fails. He's kind of cranky about that. He's trying to kill the human race, you know, as you do. <laughs> then he basically kidnaps her. She did try to kill him. I I think, I feel like it's justified. And there's kind of a road trip. Haha, ha, JK, it's on a horse. But it's one of my faves from this year. I highly recommend. Well, Kristen, stay tuned. Um, she says, until next episode, I've not read Flowers in the Storm yet, so I'm excited. Hope that you enjoyed it. Um... And then we have one more email from uh, Noya. She says, so today was my first time listening to your podcast about the hating game and Dr. Strangebeard. I know that we got some new people, I think, from that episode. So welcome. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, she says, and I have full on fallen in love with you two. Well, thank you. Right back at you. Um She said, I made the obvious next move of going to your Goodreads reading list, and to my surprise, you guys have a lot of books that I haven't even heard of. Um, I also looked over your podcast list, and in all of those, I did not find a single Amy Dawes book. She is amazing. I fell for her through Penny Reed. Then she says, I'm not sure if you've heard of her either. Winky face. Everybody (laughs) knows. Uh, She says, I am currently finishing up her Harris Brothers series, um, like Penny, she made a spin-off series for one of her heroine's brothers, and it is just so fun to read now that I think of it. Many other similarities are present between these two. The first two books are about twin brothers. They're nothing like Bo and Dwayne. And the third is about the youngest falling for his childhood friend, not at all similar to Roscoe's story. And I am now capping the series off with the oldest brother. Uh, she says, in your latest episode about the hating game, you guys recommended Accidental Tryst, and so I wanted to jump on the ship and say that I loved it as well. Um, she said, if I may, before I finish this email, that seems way too long for a first one to you. I really want to throw in some recommendations of my own. I stumbled upon Tegan Hunter's Let's Get Textual, and I Want to Text You Up, which are fantastic titles um and they were both a super fun read also emma hart's experiment series and barely cross duet are just the cutest i hope you like some of these books i can't wait to start listening to all of your old podcasts and will definitely be waiting patiently for the next one um thank you for that that's a very sweet uh very sweet and love the love i think some good uh some good recs in there so with that being said, let's get down with what our our list is for the fall. Um, so September 3rd, like I said, we're going to be reading 
uh, Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. September 17th, Kristen, we are reading Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but that is, that's what we're reading then. Um, on October 1st, we are going to um, be reading with my sister-in-law, Act Like It by Lucy Parker. Um, we had a lot of people recommend this. This is the one book that we've had recommended more than any other book. Um, so we're going to take a look at it, and we're going to take a look at it with a first timer. So hopefully that goes well. We want to we want to get her sold on romance, um, but we'll <laughs> not see. scare her away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, October fifteenth, we're going to be reading Indigo by Beverly Jenkins. Um, October 29th, uh, Accidental Tryst by Natasha Boyd, as we have um, mentioned, has been uh, recommended a couple times. November 12th, we are finally going to be talking about Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn in an official sense because I, I just love that book so much. So it just seemed right. And then November 26th, also another book that has been recommended to us several times, uh, we are going to read The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Um, so that is our lineup. I hope that you guys are on board and excited to read those with us. Um, and I think that that about, sorry, I feel like I've been talking a lot, mom. Any thoughts? You have. Well, yeah, I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of hearing you. Me too. Okay. So um, <laughs> with that, we will say goodbye until our next little break and keep sending in emails and we'll keep taking recommendations. So we will. Bye. Welcome back. So it has recently been reported that 73% of adults in the U.S. have read a book in the past 12 months. A book, which is a silly statistic to me. Um, Americans read a mean average of 12 books per year, and a typical median American has read four books in the past 12 months. Um, so they're not, they're not the worst statistics ever. Um, I'm reading a lot of other people's books, though. What? I mean, like an average. Oh. So there's a lot yeah. of people who haven't read any books that are getting credit for books I've read. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um, man, I people have been posting their like reading challenges from Goodreads, and I am shocked. There's people that have read like 300 books this year so oh, far. And I'm, like, I'm at 111. I had my goal was 150 for the year, yeah. and I'm at 111 right now. I think I'm only at like 88 or something like that. Jeez, Ellen, what a slacker! I know. Um, <laughs> But, you know, compared to the typical American, yeah, I've read... who only reads one every 12 months. <laughs> you are amazing. I am well ahead of the game. <laughs> so, um, when mom was here, we, you said at one point, you're like, I just love reading. I and do. so, I just want to, like, we just wanted to kind of talk about, like, why, why we love reading so much. So, mom, what do, what do you think? Why do I love reading? I do love reading. I love being able to just, like, lose myself in another world, in another, in a story. I love being yeah. able to lose myself in a story. I love yeah. to just get wrapped up in a story. And like That's... I said, I was literally driving home from your house, listening to the audiobook of Flowers and Storm, and I just, I would tear up, and I'd be crying, and I'd be, <gasps> and it's like, 
I'm just listening to a story. I mean, there's nothing else going on, but <laughs> yeah, and it was awesome. I think that that's like something that I've, um, and this is probably because this is how you raised me, but like something that I've recognized about myself is just that, yeah, I just love getting. I also just don't understand people who don't like fiction because um, I just love getting deeply engrossed in a story that is maybe not real but is just so engaging and I think that I think reading creates more empathetic people I think like when I think in connection to this book for example um you know I now know a little bit more about what a stroke victim might go through or what a Quaker in that time, what her life was like and what, you know, more about their beliefs. Or when I think about Longshot that we're going to be reading next time, um, you know, it definitely like opened my eyes to certain, certain challenges that are even outside of domestic abuse that they have to go through like as being a victim of rape and domestic abuse and so I just think that when you read a book it just kind of you're able to step into someone else's shoes for a moment and look at somebody else's perspective and I think that that creates better human beings personally well and and you know, I know this isn't just about romance, but one of the things I love about reading romance books is that you go into it pretty sure that it's going to have a happy ending. I mean, yeah. 99% of it's them have a It's not a romance if it doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah, Let's just be clear about that. Um, and I love that I can get engrossed in a story, and no matter what kind of crazy stuff is going on, I know it's all going to work out in the end. That's what I love about romance. But yeah. reading... Because I can even read, like, a book that's not all that great of a book, but I find good stuff. You know, we do yeah. the same thing with movies. People will say, you guys like everything. And sometimes I feel like, because we hardly ever say bad things about any books that yeah. we read. But um, I just I just love getting engrossed in a story. And even if it's not the best written or if it's not the best whatever, I still find good things in it that I enjoy learning or um being a part of and just getting wrapped up in that world for a while yeah yeah and I just I just find it so like when I meet someone who you know is not a reader I'm just like tell me more about like what that's (laughs) like (laughs) how on earth do you function (laughs) yeah like I just don't understand like I just um because I just I love it so much I just um like there's I just can't imagine, like, you know, that feeling of, like, crawling into bed and just, like, laying down with a book and just reading for a while, like, and to not have that feeling in your life, like, well, and I was the kid, like, even as a kid, I was an avid reader. I mean, when I was in second grade, I started reading The Little House on the Prairie books, and Mm -hmm. those were the first chapter books I ever read, and I thought I was so grown up, but, um, And it was a pretty big book for a second grader to read. Yeah. But even through school, I was the kid who had my math book with a paperback book hidden inside because I just couldn't stop reading. I remember getting in trouble in high school for reading Amityville Horror when I was in algebra class. Nice. <laughs> and um, just, you know, 
I've just always been a reader. And uh, I just love that whole aspect of losing myself in a story. And Well, I think about, like, uh, growing up for me, mom used to tell my brothers that she would pay them five bucks for every book that they read. And I was like, okay, Over the sweet. summer. Over the Over summer. summer. I'm like, okay, sweet, let me get out in this action. And then mom had to eventually, like, say that yeah. I was not included. <laughs> you get one dollar for every book. The boys get five dollars for every book. They were not they, the avid readers. They were. They are not, and I think, well, one of them still is not really, right? Uh, there's one that is more so, I think. Right. But, um, but yeah, so I just, and, you know, even back then when I was a kid, I'd be like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, why don't you want to read? <laughs> How can you and, not love doing And this? you have the added incentive of moms paying you five bucks for every book you read? <laughs> like, are you crazy? Because um, mom knows uh, that was mainly like if I wanted to spend money, it was we'd go to Tower Books. Go to the bookstore. And I would look for pink covers and buy books with pink covers. That's what I would do. That apparently were a little racier than I knew. Yeah, that, that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, I think we've mentioned before, I recently retired. I was a school teacher. And it would just break my heart that these kids just couldn't care less about reading. I mean, trying to get kids, like, excited about reading is really hard. And... Um, there's so many of them some of them would I mean some of them and I would bring I would literally go on Amazon right there at my desk and say which book would you like and I would buy books for my classroom based Mm -hmm. on what kids would tell me just because I want them to get excited about reading yeah and um but some of them just couldn't care less and it was just frustrating I just wanted to and then you talk to their parents and you know they don't have books at home they I worked in a pretty um low socioeconomic area and um you know so i'd be like take them to the library just go to the library get a library card check books out you know but it it was hard and it would it was frustrating because and i'd give them you know silent reading time in class and they'd whine and complain and i was like I want to sit and read for 15 minutes. Well, they can all of you just shut up for a second while I read. Just be quiet while I sit and read my book for 15 minutes. And don't look at what I'm reading because it's probably inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I know know we're preaching to the choir here because obviously y'all love to read too. Um, But anyway, we just wanted to kind of share a little bit about why we love it ever so much. And um, I'd love to hear why you love to read and, you know, what what makes what makes you a, a reader. Um, why, why you love it. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan in two weeks on September 3rd, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or you can find us on Twitter at Not Your Mom's Rum, or on Facebook or Goodreads, or email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Uh, okay. See you next time, Mom. Bye, Ellen. Bye.